so this morning we're going to continue this series called uh, Mary's 360, where we're kind of thinking about this command that we get from Hebrews 13, 4, that says marriage should be honored by all, right? This exhortation to the church. And so we're talking about it in this way, and the, the week one I told you is a bit about kind of like above and next to and below, if you will, or all around. That's why we're calling Mary's 360. How can we, any of us, regardless of our station in life, really honor marriage like the scripture encourages us to do? right? That, that's, that's not a, there's no caveat, there's no asterisk, there's no kind of exception clause. I mean, it says that marriage should be honored by all, and it was written to those who are claiming Jesus as Lord. So as someone who's following Jesus, we say, well, how can I honor marriage then? Many times we kind of relegate that into those who are married only. Like, they have to honor marriage, but I don't have to honor marriage. And, and I, as we've gone through this short three-week series, I've been so blown away by how many opportunities there are to honor marriage and how much kind of noise there is out in our culture about marriage. It's not really about honoring it at all. I mean, if you think about some of the programming you might watch or some of the stuff you might read online or, or the ways, maybe you even engage with friends and you're like, you know, oh my gosh, can you believe such and such? All the those places, rarely is it about honoring marriage. I mean, I just don't see a lot of it. I see a lot of like salaciousness and a lot of scandal and a lot of kind of um, gossip, but not a lot of honoring marriage. And, and as people who are following Jesus, we should take that seriously and say, okay, how am I supposed to do that then? To give those of you who aren't here um, the last couple weeks uh, kind of an idea, we talked about the first way we can honor marriage, all of us, because we're all born, we can honor marriage by honoring our mother and our father that we can honor our parents and thereby honor marriage. We can encourage their marriage. And we talked about that in some pretty good detail about how we can do that. Last week, we talked about how we can honor marriage by respecting our spouse. And again, you might say, well, I could have skipped last week because I'm not married, right? But there's this idea, there's this idea in the scripture that in the gospel that we are claimed by Jesus, that we belong to him ultimately. And indeed, if you missed it last week, what the Bible teaches about marriage is that marriage is a temporary, I don't say product, but you know, it's a temporary thing for this life only. And if, if that's, that's kind of weird with you, you know, you can read Jesus' own words where he said, in heaven, no one is married nor given in marriage. And we concern our hearts with, well, well what are we going to do in heaven? Jesus says, no, heaven, heaven is a whole other thing. And I believe that that's because of this promise that we have to belong to Jesus and he to us and all of us together to him, the, the, as the word says, the body, um, that, that we really truly will unite it. And marriage for some here is a foretaste of that. Marriage is also, for those of us uh, who are married, a discipleship tool, you know, because no one knows you as well. I mean, God himself, but no one else knows you as well as your husband or wife. But we talked about how we can respect our spouse. And maybe if you're not married yet, but you want to be married, you respect your spouse by doing what the word said last week, which is keeping the, the bed pure, right? You respect your spouse. You respect others' spouses by doing that. We talked about that. I, I won't re-preach all that. But we talked about all that stuff last week. And um, I hope you were uh, blessed by it. I hope you were encouraged and challenged by it. Like, how do we interact with one another in this life? So there you have it so far. So it's kind of like you honor your parents, you respect your spouse, right? Whether you're married or not, this is all true. And then the, the next thing we're talking about is how we can bless the next. And that, that, that's what the title is, right? So it's like blessing the next marriage, blessing the next generation. I don't know how, the Bible is so rich with stories on how God's people are a people of inheritance, you know, that they are, they're generationally blessed, 
And so if you can see it now, you can start to see, I can honor my parents and bless their marriage. And by the way, living or deceased, you can honor your parents. You can respect your spouse no matter what station of life you're in. And then you can be part of blessing the next generation of marriages. I believe that that's true. By the way, I don't know if you're uh, here this morning and you're married or not, um, but if you are here this morning and you've been married less than eight days, would you please stand up? Eight days. Anyone? Oh, wow. Look at there. Yeah, the camps are here. You guys can have a seat. See, there's an opportunity. That's in, you can, how are we going to encourage and bless the camps? marriage. So cool and such opportunities to do this together. We're going to start where we always start today. We're going to start with prayer and then we're going to get into the word uh, um, together and we're just going to see what God has for us in this kind of concept of how we can um, bless the next generation. Pray with me if you would. Uh, Father, we have been so blessed already to be gathered together in your presence. Uh, We are so delighted to sing praises to your name and to celebrate what you're doing throughout the world. And now today as we come into your word, we do pray that you would help us to understand what you'd have for us in and through it, that we would know you more fully because we've engaged seriously with you this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell in our eyes and ears and minds as we, and our hearts as we kind of intake the word today, that we could be transformed by knowing you more. That, that, and we believe that that's dependent on you that we can't bring any worldly wisdom or or knowledge of man, but we need to know what you say is true. We listen to the world enough, Father. We want to listen to you. So would you help us do that? Um, Wherever we are this morning, would you help us to set aside our own situation or struggle or or, uh, distraction this morning and just focus on you and what you'd have for us that we could live changed lives and uh, bring more glory to you because we're obedient children. May you help us do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing in your, and if you've been here all three weeks, you're probably answering these questions automatically now, which is good. That's what I'm kind of hoping for here. But the first thing that we're going to talk about, we've already mentioned it, is uh, Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage is to be honored by all. Marriage is to be honored by all. And so that was kind of what we were talking about a moment ago. We're all in this together, right? And so hopefully most of you could have filled it out before I even got that slide up today. And uh, the next thing is, is I want to talk about this idea that we are redeemed in order to bless others. See, sometimes, and we talked, that song we sang today, which I loved, um, we sang that, that um, you promise salvation and that's enough, you know, and it is enough, right? But there's a purpose to our redemption, and it's bigger than us. See, see, too many of us believe that's what it's about. It's about each individual sinner repenting of their sin, believing the good news, and then going to heaven. And once that work is done, and once your ticket is secure, and I'm not making a joke, I mean, Jesus said, you will be with me, and, and in his name, if we believe that, um, if we confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that he is raised from the dead, we will be saved. And we take that as, as a, you know, a, a guaranteed inheritance, that he will save us. And yet the truth is that you and I, our story on this earth has a purpose beyond ourselves. But the claim of Christ is a claim of redemption that actually is, um, is a cause to bless others. And I don't know if we think about that very often, uh, but that's part of it. I want to show you a passage um, this morning from uh, Galatians. And this is what the word says, Christ redeemed us, there's an ellipse there, in order that the blessing given to Abraham, I want you to catch that, might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So there's a lot, lots happening there, right? But this, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia and he's like, there's a reason that we're redeemed, 
And we are redeemed so that we might know Jesus and we might share him with others, if you see that in there, so that they might come to the Gentiles, that's all of us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive his spirit. Opportunity that exists for Paul. And again, we have a tendency to put Paul in a different, he's different, right? He wasn't like us. Paul was a man just like us. He said that over and over again, I'm just a man. But God is a God of redemption, and the gospel is a story of redemption. And we are redeemed with a purpose in this life that we might bless others. Now, you can certainly say, and rightfully so, well, now, wait a minute. This is about making Jesus known. And I agree with you. It's about making Jesus known in the world. It's about making Jesus known in the workplace. It's about making Jesus known among the nations. That's our primary purpose of redemption. We've been saved so we can bless others. If you think about it, if God is a a loving God, and if he has us here on this earth and he has saved us, why not just snatch us immediately into heaven? I mean, why tarry? Why wait? There may be many answers, but one of them must include so that we can share the good news with others, that we can bless someone else. Too many of us act like, well, you know, I got mine. I'm good. Get me out of here. Maybe even pray that prayer. Lord, just get me out of here right now. Oh, this body of sin. Who can deliver me from this? But there's a purpose to it, and it's that we might bless others. I'm convinced that the more we enter into that narrative of our life, the more we willingly go with him, the more sense our life makes and we still long for heaven i'm not saying that you get to where you're like i'm this is so awesome here i just don't ever want to go no we're we're longing for heaven man this is just a taste we want to be there full full face right full flesh all in with jesus but we know he's sovereign and therefore there's a purpose um, to him tarrying and leaving us here we are blessed we are redeemed that we might bless others. I hope you understand that in your life, right? So we're going to talk some pra- practical about how to do that. I want to show you another passage in Hebrews. Grab a Bible, and if, if you um, brought one, it's Hebrews 11. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one of ours. It's on page 844 in the ones at the end of the chair rows. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. Um, chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. And I'm going to back up a few verses. I'm going to go back to 17, right? So I just want to talk about this. This is the faith chapter of Hebrews, which we talked about. I get that, but I just want to go through and catch one little thing that happens in here. So verse 17 says this, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to receive his, or sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, I'm going to bless you through your son. And yet Abraham offered Isaac to his Lord in obedience. 19, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. You remember the whole story uh, whenever he was uh, going to sacrifice his son and, and the ram was made available? at the last moment he was really going to do it um, and God kind of brought his son back from the, de- from the dead there um, as a, a foreshadowing of what was to come in Jesus. Look at now verse 20 with me. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their, what's the word say, future. You see that? See, by faith Isaac, the one that was delivered from death by God's hand, blessed Jacob and Esau. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. There's another generational blessing. Now 22, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. So there's this 
there's this kind of moment where they are blessing the future generations. They are, they're, um, they're encouraging them, they're blessing them, teaching them and instructing them. And, and you, could, you could say, well, okay, I get it, right? But that's part of their story, part of their purpose in life. And what's funny is if you read that, it seems that they don't recognize it maybe till the end or they don't do anything till the end, but they don't recognize that part of their purpose is to bless, bless others. I want to share with you from... Uh, from Genesis. Now, we're going to back up to the first book of the Bible. Um, right before we do, I want you to see that there's a generational blessing happening here in Hebrews where, where um, looking at it again, Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau. Jacob um, blesses each of Joseph's sons, and then Joseph gives some instructions, but there's this kind of continuation of the blessing of God through the generations. But people are involved in it. Don't miss that. And it's all done, by the way, by faith. It's an act of faith to bless someone else. Look what the word says in in Genesis. This is about Abraham. Um, God's speaking here, by the way, and he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and look what it says, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. There are some translations here that say um, they will call you blessed, but it'll be a known thing that God is at work in Abraham's life. And, and I was just thinking about this for a minute. I was thinking about the Old Testament narrative of Abram who became Abraham who left his family and went on to the promised land, an unknown land. And they said whenever he would move, he had so many people under his care and so many, you know, animals and stuff to move along, right? I mean, he was, he was nomadic, but he had all this huge group. But can, and I was thinking about that, and I thought, we think about that part, but do you, can you think about those who were actually in that troop? Like, can you imagine being a guy, and even a servant, just being a servant in Abraham's, you know, bandwagon is going to the promised land? Father Abraham, you, you'd be like, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm part of what God is doing in his life. So Abraham moves all these people, and people were blessed to be with him and blessed to know him, blessed to be called and counted in his presence. I hope you see that just by, by being part of, the, of God's story. And that's another key here, right? Is to be part of God's story in this life. See, the blessing wouldn't come from Abraham because you know Abraham himself as a man. The blessing would come because you know what God's doing in his life. And therefore, you know what God is doing in yours. There's this generational mechanism. All nations. That is crazy what it says. All nations on the earth will be blessed through you. The last thing I'll say if we move off of this and get, in, get into the part of Genesis is that this blessing is ensured not by Abraham, but by God. God made the promise. God keeps the promise. And I hope you understand that. So this blessing is not about Abraham, but it's about God saying, you will be blessed and you will bless others in the same way in our lives. We are redeemed with a purpose, Paul says, so that the Gentiles might know Christ and we might receive his spirit redeemed to bless others. So let's look at, uh, I want to give you a couple of practical pictures now. This is Genesis 27. You can turn there as well. We're going to look at this. There are going to be two stops in Genesis for us, and then we're going to talk about some application, some ways that maybe we can do this in our life. Maybe if you're a risk taker with Jesus, you know what I mean? If you're down to try it, um, you, can, you can get involved in, in blessing the next generation of marriages. So this is, a, this is in Genesis 27. This is a great story if you've not heard it. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit in it. Um, but uh, I would encourage you to read the whole thing. Um, we'll leave it there for now. 
So this is Isaac now, the same Isaac that we talked about who was delivered, right? Raised back from the dead. I'm going to start in verse 1. When Isaac was, an, was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, you see his vision is fading. I start to understand a bit of that struggle now, even at 40, right? He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. A little bit of background here on Isaac. Um, if you don't know, uh, Isaac had a couple of boys, um, and one was like a man's man, <laughs> you know, Esau. I mean, e Esau must have been like testosterone heavy, you know, like for real. Like what we know about science now, I mean, he has hairy, like later we're going to hear hairy like a goat, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was a hunter-gatherer. You just get this he must have had like a deeper voice, you know, like, yeah, Esau. And so when um, Isaac gets into his life here, he calls to his son, and I would say his favorite son, his favorite son, and he says, um, uh, come, my son. And Esau answers like this, here I am. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's so good right there. Verse 2, Isaac said, I am now an old man and do not know the day of my death. I want to pause for a second. That's true for all of us, by the way. Isn't that funny? That we go, oh, he's old. He should pay attention. Man, we should all pay attention. We don't know the day of our death. Verse 3, now then, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. And prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you, here it is, my blessing before I die. I want to sit in that for a minute with Esau. Your dad's called you in. He says, my son, you're like, here I am. He says, go out and, and hunt and bring back and prepare my favorite dish. Uh, this must have been a known thing. I, I love, I love it when Esau brings home the jackrabbit. Or I don't know what it was, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just, I love the taste of that turtle he catches or <laughs> whatever, you know. And I love how it's prepared just the right. Oh, I want that so much. Will you bring that to me? Remind me of, of our intimacy, of, of our relationship, of our love, of all that God has blessed me with in you. Do you see what's happening here? I mean, he's like, bring that to me, and then before I die, I will give you my blessing. Man, if I was Esau, I'd be, you know, clack The door would be closed behind me. You know what I mean? I'm out. I'm going to come back and get my dad's blessing. Like, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out and hunt. Dad's so proud of me. So that's the, kind of the narrative. Now, if you've heard this story before, and probably most of you, of you have, um, uh, Isaac's wife overhears this, and she has plan B, <laughs> which turns out to be plan A, but nobody knows. <laughs> okay. And, and we're, we're going we're gonna to jump um, past that, but, but you can read that if you want to. Um, and I want to pick it up again in verse 18, because I want to focus on what we're talking about with the blessing that, that Isaac's going to give here. In verse 18, um, he went to his father and said, my father. Now, what you have to know about the story at this point is that this is no longer Esau, but Jacob, right? And, and mom had a plan, and Jacob's following mom's plan, and, and he's back. And this is, this is Jacob speaking. And it says, he went to his father, and he said, my father. And, and, and uh, Isaac answered, yes, my son, who is it? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please set up and eat some of my game so that, I may, so that you may give me your blessing. Now, this is right away like scandalous. I'm just saying for real. Like, read the Bible. You can read it a hundred times. It's scandalous what's happening here, right? But he asks his dad to set up and eat some of this game that he cooked and prepared. 
and get so he could get his blood. He wants his dad's blessing so, so much. Uh, do, you, do you sense that in the text at all? You're not Esau. You've always been kind of uh, number two. You're not hairy or don't hunt well or whatever it was, right? J- Jacob's known as the heel grabber, right? He's holding on to his brother when he came out. He says, come on, I-, I-, I want you to give me your blessing, dad. And Isaac asked this question, how did you find the game so quickly, my son? I mean, he must have just like, this is crazy. This is the best hunting ever, right? Can you relate if you're a hunter here? <laughs> you just left and you're back with the soup. What? Jacob says this, the Lord your God has given me success. Yeah, okay, Jacob. Isaac says to Jacob, come near to me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are truly Esau or not. So Jacob drew near to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, well, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother. By the way, that was goat skins, what the word says. So Isaac blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau, he asked. Jacob says again, I am. Then he says, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you your, or my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate it. And he brought some wine and he drank it. And then his father, Isaac, said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. I want you to see how intimate all this contact is. I, I, I know there's one part where you can say, well, well, Isaac can't see, so he has to do this, right? But there's some intimacy here. There's some relationship. There's some knowing. Draw near to me. This is a really big deal. Give me give me a kiss. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, which were his brother's clothes, by the way, he blessed him and he said, ah, the smell of my son, like the smell of a field, the Lord is blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May the nations serve you and may the people bow down to you and be Lord over your brothers. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And then we maybe know the rest of the story where Esau shows up and he finds out he's missed it. He missed it. His dad has given away the blessing. I don't, I want to talk, so that's the narrative and you've probably heard that before, but I want to talk about, do we believe anymore that we, as those redeemed in Jesus Christ, have the ability to be a blessing to others in that way? That, that we can call them near to us and we can enter into relationship. We can, you know, we're going to talk about all that stuff. We, and then we can say, God, would you just shower your blessings? Would you give them abundant harvest? Would you give them nurture and care, provision? Will you thwart their enemies? And will, you, will you cause them to be obedient? Do we take that stuff seriously? The radical thing about um, Isaac's blessing, and probably the reason we find it so scandalous, is because we say, that's not fair. That's not fair. He cheated. His mom tricked his dad. It's not fair. But what we find out later is the blessing is irrevocable. The blessing has been given. I hope you see that. God's blessings are irrevocable in that way. And God does indeed honor that blessing. He does bless Jacob. He does cause his brothers to serve him because he keeps his word. I want to show you another one. Here we go. You ready? Genesis 48. This is the next generation. And then we'll jump in. This is on page 36, by the way, if you're using one of our Bibles. I love that. 48. A bit of background here on 48 is returning. Um, This is after... Uh, we're going to hear about a story about uh, a man named Joseph. This is Joseph that you're all familiar with, right? Joseph, who was sold into slavery. Joseph, who was hated by his brothers because he was favored by God, and, and uh, he was his dad's favorite, right? So you, and, and what, you know, we can't even get into the symmetry between Jacob and um, Joseph, but that being the 
you know, least likely um, <clears throat> to be blessed. But we'll just jump in here in verse 1 of chapter 48. Sometime later then, Joseph was told, your father is ill. This is just after Joseph revealed that in his time in exile, God had been blessing him abundantly in Egypt. And, and he comes back home because he hears his dad is sick. So he rushes home. He takes with him Manasseh and Ephraim along. See, it says there in verse 1. Verse 2, when Jacob was told your, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. I, will be, I have to take one second and talk about um, uh, Jacob. He, this is Israel. Like Jacob becomes Israel, God's promise for God's people. Right? And you'll see that right there, that it says that when Jacob heard your son Joseph is coming to you, Israel rallied his strength. That's Jacob. He rallied. He, the man of God, he set up. He got his wind. You know, he was, a, he was ill. He was about to fall into death. And then he kind of prepared himself for his son's coming. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me, and he said to me, I am going to make you fruitful, and you will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to the, the descendants after you. So, you know, Jacob has known God's blessing. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came, this is him speaking again, to you, will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, Jacob says, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours in a territory that they will inherit. They will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. As I returned from Paddan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way, a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So much stuff here. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he said, who are these? And they said, these are the sons that God has given me here. That's what Joseph said. So Israel said, bring them to me. Now look at what it said, so that I may bless them. So this is a grandfather's relationship to, to grandchildren he had never met, born a time that he did not know them, but God said, you will know them, you will see them. And he says, bring them so that I might Bless them. Look at the symmetry. Verse 10. Now Israel's, that's Jacob's, eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. And then Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children also. So Joseph, Joseph removed his children from Israel's knees, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, catch this, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. So what you have here is you have Joseph kind of aligning his sons for the blessing. Do you see? What's happening there? He's, he, his, his dad's like, bring them to me so I may bless them. He's taking them off of his lap, and they're standing there, and he brings them forward in a configuration to control the blessing as he sees it should be handed out. That's what's happening. All right, 14. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, although he was the younger. <laughs> and crossing his arms, he reached out his left hand and put it on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. And then he blessed Joseph and said, I just wanted to stop. This is what happens. Here he goes, bless my sons. You know, he's like, come on, Israel. And Israel does this. What? Like, that's what's in the Bible. Jacob, like his thing, he's like, no, I'm doing this. 
you know, does that. And he blesses them. Let's read the blessing. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly upon the earth. We're going to stop there. You can read the rest of that, by the way. Because he goes on to kind of try to switch his dad's hands. Wait, wait, wait. You got this wrong. He's like, no, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to bless these boys. Which is interesting. By the way, the next chapter of the book, he goes on to bless each one of his sons, right? He blesses all 12 tribes. And you might read that with me and say, man, some of those don't sound like blessings at all, right? But when he gets to Joseph, he says, Joseph, you're going to multiply greatly. You're going to be a blessing to many. I mean, there's just this, this, this overarching fondness that, he, that he, he blesses his sons with. And so we have now here two, um, two different um, blessings that we see in the First Testament. Striking, isn't it? I was thinking about this, and I thought, when have we um, seen a time in our lives? Is there times, and, and I hope maybe you see it today, and that wasn't why, but we do this often. I mean, uh, I want to confess something real quick. So we've been doing um, baby dedications at Family Bible Church for, since I've been here, right? We dedicate babies. And um, one of the things we love to do is have the families come up with the couple with their child. And what they're saying is, God, we're going to trust this child into your care. Help us to raise him in the faith of Jesus Christ right? But a lot of times we have the family up here and they're just kind of standing there. They're like, kind of like, I don't know, you know, just up here, kind of awkward how it is sometimes when you're up here. And I started recently, God's really moved my heart like, no, they're up here to bless this family. I mean, what does it mean to, to feel your father's hand upon your head? Can you imagine what we're talking about here in the scriptures? Have you seen this demonstration of God's power? Even with Jacob doing this number, can you still imagine being a grandson on your knees in front of your grandfather, him saying, God, would you do a work in this generation? I don't know if you're like me, but we don't, I don't see much of that. I don't see much of that. By way of confession, I say, man, we should be doing that. God, would you bless this young man and woman as they seek to raise this child in the way that he or she should go? Would you bless them abundantly? Would you chastise them when they're getting it wrong? Would you guide them to the paths of righteousness for your namesake? See, it matters, and it's not pomp and circumstance and religion. Like, this is real. It's so real that later on in Hebrews, the author records and says um, that uh, Israel blessed Joseph's sons. Remembering that promise thousands of years later. Do you remember the blessing that they received? So amazing. I hope that that is enough to pique your interest and go, what are we doing? I mean, if you know Jesus is Savior, what are we doing with our lives? Are we living our lives in a way that we're a blessing to others? Do we dare to live in that space of holiness and righteousness with God where we say, God, I trust you completely, and I'm going to bless them in your name? I want to talk um, for a minute then, five, five ways that we can practically do this stuff in our lives. And, and we're talking specifically about blessing marriages. I think, I know you're probably seeing, well, hey, you can broaden this out to a lot of blessing. I agree, you can broaden out. But I want to talk about how we can bless marriages specifically who are coming after us. And by the way, whether we're married or not, don't miss that. Whether we're married or not, you, this is, isn't about that. It's about God's blessing on his people, all right? So the first thing is this, that we can lead by example in our lives. 
We can lead a godly example for the generations. I told you before, I can imagine that it was because of Abraham's relationship with God that people were blessed to be with him, that they would see in him the example of who they want to be. None of the saints in the Bible are perfect, by the way. You read it, they're flawed. Jacob, did you hear the cheating he did to get the blessing of God? And yet you knew that if you were near him, you'd be blessed. His, his son knew that if I could get, his son who had been persecuted knew that if I get my, my children in the right position, it'll change their destiny. But still, there was something about his life that was godly and holy. We can uh, lead by example. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you on this. The first, you probably know this comes from 1 Timothy 4.12. It's written to young leaders in the church, and it says this, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, right? But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. There's the word from Hebrews 13.4. No matter where you are in your life, set an example of godliness, right? So all of us are included in that. No one gets a pass. Well, I'm not, they're older than me. It's not my responsibility. No, live a godly example for those who are coming after. But then here's another one. In case you don't believe me, check it out. This is the Apostle Paul, and he he says this three different times in Scripture, but this is in Philippians. He says, join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the patterns that we've given you. That's Take note of those who are following the example we have given, you see? So it's not just for young, well, that was for Timothy, who's a young leader. It's not for me. No, we are called to live a godly example. That's one way we can bless the next generation. There's a, um, I've heard this kind of quippy stuff thrown around like um, uh, faith is uh, caught, not taught, you know? Um, the, the world's way they would say that backwards is um, do as I say, not as I do, right? Parenting that doesn't model the behavior. No, that, that's non-biblical wisdom, right? The Bible says live the godly example for others that you might bless them through your witness. I told you a few weeks ago, you don't even know it. People are watching you. And I don't mean watching like saying, let's wait and see if they screw up. Watching going, wow, do you see what they're doing in their marriage? Do you see the way they interact with one another? The Lord quickens the spirit in us. Oh, I, why, why aren't I more like that? Leads us to our closet to repent of the behavior. Oh God, would you forgive me for the ways that I'm failing? Would you call me to a higher standard of loving my husband or my wife? Being an example to one another, we're all, everyone's watching. I'm just telling you. And um, that's one way we can bless others. Here's the second one. Um, we can uh, offer encouragement through transparency, right? <laughs> So this is something I'm learning on the fly. But when you go through parenting, um, you think you're the only one having all the problems you're having until you run into a godly uh, couple who's gone before you and they're like, oh, I remember. I can't tell you how much. Now, it doesn't help. I mean, in some ways it doesn't help because it's still hard. But you go, okay, someone lets you in. I think about the Apostle Paul and, um, well, any really the New Testament. Oh, wait, let's just back it up and say Jesus, right, who, who would just say, hey, come follow me. I don't have any place to sleep. I don't have any place to rest. I don't have any money to my name, but follow me and I'll show you how to live a godly life. And he was completely transparent before them. I mean, I guess the only exception you say was he went to the mountain to pray, right? But other than that, he would just say, look at how I live. Look at how I am. For most of us, that's a terrifying concept. Living in glass houses, it's a nightmare. Who wants to do that? But can you choose a few 
and let them see? Can you, can you risk um, being encouraging through transparency? Can, can you go to someone who is after you or who God's leading you, and, and can you say, I sense something's going on, and I just want to encourage you. I, I, we've been through a lot of hard stuff too. Can you bless someone in that way? Or are we so afraid of our own past and experiences, and we're so, I would almost say, not believing the good news of Jesus, he's redeemer of all things, that we hold that back and we say, I can't tell anyone. And so the generations go on unblessed or unencouraged or discouraged in their own faith walk. I've been so blessed by those who've had the radical uh, commitment to Jesus to just be transparent. I hope to become that kind of a disciple myself, walking in, in transparency. I still have to say that, you know, there would be no mystery. I mean, you, you heard how these, um, these uh, men, in this case, came to their fathers for blessing. They saw how it was. Dad's blind. He doesn't even know what's happening anymore. But they saw this blessing they wanted, this godly man. hope this is making sense to you this morning. Number three, check this out. Uh, engage intentionally and intimately. I hope you heard that in the blessings we heard today, right? Um, engaging uh, intentionally and intimately. And um, I, I want to talk about that just for a second, but I mentioned earlier uh, when he would say, um, come near to me. Let me, let me feel your hand. Um, l give me a kiss. Let me smell your clothes, right? That's uncomfortable. But, but, but do you see how intentional that is? And I know you can say, well, he was deceived. I, I get it. But do you see how intentional he was? Oh, I want, to give, I want to give you a blessing and that kind of engagement, that in intimacy. I've mentioned it once already, but one way we can do it is by laying our hands on one another. Like, like really, like, and I know that might be weird, but just to, to, to bless. Hey, can I pray with you? And then when you pray with someone, you put a hand on their shoulder and you, and you truly go to God, you know? I mean, do you dare to do that? Or is that, uh, it's too weird. I'm often reminded of um, parents who kind of get this when their kids are young. Because if you hear anyone who kind of does really well with young children, if you watch, maybe Family Bible Church will see some families doing this. Whenever a small person's having a fit, you know, like, Rah! freaking out or whatever, a, a, a wise, discerning adult will actually stop and take a knee and not, not grab an arm like I, you know, let me tell you what, we're in church, you know. That's how I used to parent whenever I had little kids. That's confession. It's true, right? I'll drag you outside. No, get down. You gently make some contact. You look him in the eye. Do you remember Mama Lane saying that to us? Do you look in the eye of a child when you communicate? Do you see that? Are we that intentional? We want to bless somebody. Are we that intentional to say, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Look at me. Look at me. And then bring a blessing of God. I think the opportunities abound. And, and I think it takes courage. But do we do it? Uh, one of my favorite, uh, we all have our favorite things. One of my favorite things that I got to do um, recently was um, whenever uh, my son and daughter-in-law got married, um, there was this God thing, and it was a God thing, but we got to go forward with um, Emily's parents and lay hands on them in a service. We don't do that. I don't even know what we were just doing it. Let's do that. That's not like a good idea. And it was so good. I hope that that was understood, that that's what we were doing. Just, God, would you bless this man and this woman as they enter into marriage? I'm not saying to brag, but do you have opportunities to do that? Do you do it in your own life? People come from all kind of uh, backgrounds. I get that, man. Marriage hasn't worked out for everybody. I understand that, you know? I mean, maybe you want to be married, you're not married. Maybe you're married, you're divorced, right? Maybe um, whatever your situation is. But do you still believe that you could be a person who would stand and say, oh, God, would you, would you bless these two? Would you encourage them? See, I, I, don't, I don't think it takes a, a perfect person to do it. Look, Jacob, right? But do we have the courage to do it? All right, four, check this out. 
Say what needs to be said. And this kind of, to me, ties in with the last one, being intentional and intimate. And I'll tell you why. I think both take courage. Both takes courage. We get to a place where um, you're growing up and you don't know what the plan is, you know, and you're trying to figure this and you're full of good ideas, but then you get older and you begin to realize, you begin to understand some things. God shows you some things in life. And what I will say to you is that burden of responsibility is never lifted from you. Did you hear? When they were old and well advanced in years, when their eyes were growing dim, they reached out for their children to bless them. Do you see what I'm saying? It came to the end of their life and they're like, something has to be said. God is doing a work in my family, and I want my children to know the work that God is doing. Come to me, my son. Too many times, especially, I don't know if this is true just our modern life, but we're so rushed, and we're so afraid, and we're so distracted that we're like, I don't want to, that's going to be a hard conversation. I want to bring that up. No, say what needs to be said. Have the courage of conviction. If God is saying, talk to your kid about this, or talk to this couple, or whatever, have the courage to say the words that need to be said. By the way, don't miss that. The blessings always come with words. You said to me, I heard earlier I said, I love doers, man, I love doers, but the blessings come with words. Oh God, that, that we need to hear them spoken over us, that we need to speak them over others, that we need to know that we are not alone in this journey with Jesus, that he has made promises. Have the courage to say what needs to be said. Bear the burden of responsibility. And then the last is this, depend completely on God's blessing. You won't find a blessing in the Bible that says, by my authority because I'm so good <laughs> and because I've done so well. <laughs> no, the, the prayers and the blessings are more like, oh God, you have been so graceful with a sinner like me. Would you demonstrate your mercy to these? Would you bless them? And ultimately, just like in Hebrews 11, the blessing itself becomes an act of faith. You're so good. Will you work in their lives? See, that's how that goes. That's how that feels. And then ultimately in the end, whenever this temporary time of marriage and this temporary time of suffering and this temporary time of sin and brokenness is done away with and the new kingdom is here, we'll be blessed. Oh, this is what I knew. This is what I dared to dream. This is what I was hoping for, Jesus. We would be with you. I hope you see that this morning. I'm going to ask that you would pray with me as we uh, wrap this up. Father God, I just thank you so much that you have invited us into your house to experience you. I thank you so much that you have given us this model of others, humans' lives that they've lived out in faith. And Lord, we see the brokenness of their story. We see the, the, the trickery and all that stuff, and that, that just sets wrong. We say, what, God, what are you doing with this? And yet we see the blessing. We see that you are a God who keeps your promises. I pray, Father God, for those, oh, I, my heart is always for those who first think, nah, this isn't for me, that, 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 that God loves other people and doesn't love me, that they would be, that that lie would be banished from their mind, that they would know, no, you, you gave Jesus for all of us. You gave Jesus so we would all know you fully, that we would inherit this blessing in his name, as Paul says, that we would inherit a spirit, that we would know you fully. And then, Father, we still are on this earth by your sovereign choice. You have left us here for this season. I pray that we would look at that hard and fast and say, God, then what are you doing? Who, who are you surrounding me with? What are we going through that we are called to be a blessing to others? Would you help us to discern that rightly? And may we never think it's our power and never think it's our goodness or our righteousness, but we would just claim Christ. God, would you bless these people in your name? Would you claim them as your own? 
Would you make an eternal destiny that is worth far more than gold or rubies? And will we worship you and celebrate you when we get there? Because we've known you all along. We thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to do that work, to be part of your gospel in this world. May you continue to uh, shape and reshape hearts and minds and lives in this life until we're with you forever. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.